Good day, ladies and gentlemen. It is a beautiful day, is it not? This is the day the Lord has made. Are you rejoicing? Are you glad in this day? You better be. It's a great day. It's a great day to drink some coffee and study Romans together. Romans the letter, not Romans the theology. But glad you could join us all as we think through God's Word together. Uh, good afternoon, Rob. Hey, Mike. Hey, Caitlin. Uh, hey, Andy. So Andy says, uh, good morning. Thanks for reminding us these are letters, not books. Helps with my perspective I don't always think of. And I, I assume you're responding to my uh, the thumbnail and the title here of this video. Yeah, that is so important. And I, I know I harp on this all the time and I'm not going to stop. So if this bothers you, then, well, either deal or, <laughs> or go somewhere else. We have to break the tradition of the church as an institution. We really do. And I, and I see that more and more of part of what I'm trying to accomplish. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, so we're going to finish up Romans this week. And the next course that we're to, to go through based on the previous schedule, which when we get there, I'll explain why that is. Um, but I think I want to take a little time next week and uh, answer some questions that have come to me in the last few weeks about our home fellowship. I did a whole series, whole uh, series of lessons on the church that meets my home. You can find that on YouTube, uh, on the website, crosstocron.org, um, and kind of walked through biblically what the church is and all that. And uh, I've had some questions come in, so I want to review some of those with you. And the more I get away from the traditional model and uh, sort of free myself of of that whole environment, I just see the value, the importance of getting back. And I know most of you, I'm guessing 99% of you, are in a traditional model church and institutional church, and there's really nowhere else to go. And that's fine. I'm my, my, my goal is not, I don't want to create discontent, and I certainly do not want to encourage you to create division among brothers. However... I think we can move forward in a new direction. And I think you can be a part of that wherever you are. And I think it's inevitable that it happens. Well, I'll save this for next week, but uh, there are serious cracks in the foundation of the institutional church. And I think it's going to implode. And I think it'll be a great thing. But of course, when that happens, uh, you know, some, something's going to fill the vacuum. So anyway, all that to say, <laughs> uh, Andy, and for the rest of you, uh, when I read like these, these closing greetings of Romans or any of the other letters of the New Testament, it just reminds me yet again, these are letters and they are written not as a published book where a theologian with the right credentials has found a publisher willing to, uh, to make available this work. And yes, there's some personal acknowledgement on the front end. Thank you for my wife who read the manuscript and thank you for my friends who supported me and yada, yada, yada. There's those kind of things. But then let me begin formally chapter one or introduction, preface or whatever, and here is 
the systematic layout of this truth that I have that you need to learn. That's not what Romans is. Paul did not say, I need to write a theology of the doctrine of justification by faith. Or I need to write the doctrine of God's sovereignty or the doctrine of sanctification. And then I need to give some practical theology application at the end. That is not what this is. I've said that at the very beginning of the study, and I hope you have seen that all along the way. Paul is writing a letter to a group of Christians, desperately wanting them to understand who Jesus is, how he has fulfilled the promises of God, how the the Jews that have missed it are, are leading them astray. It's a letter. It's an impassioned letter, a persuasive letter to be sure, but it's not some kind of abstract theory pondering attributes of God or something. It is a letter. And reading these greetings at the end that we are so tempted to rush through uh, reminds me again and again, it's not formal. It's not institutional. And that leads to my first point. There's no clergy laity distinction here. Look how verse 21 reads, Timothy, my fellow worker greets you. And so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater and my kinsmen and I, Tertius, who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. We'll come back and look at that in a minute. Gaius, host to me and the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you. Cordus, the brother. Notice there is no hint here of I, Paul, am ordained and set apart as an apostle. And I'm the clergy. I'm the, the full-time professional here. And then I have my staff and then we're writing to you, the laity. Right? That, that, that's so often how the church is today. And I know this because I was there for 25 years as that pastor. I'm the set-apart one. We have a group of elders, but I was even set-apart from them. I was the senior pastor or lead pastor. A distinction the scripture does not make. So I'm the head of the elders in that traditional model. And I am the paid pastor elder. And they're all lay elders. We even make that verbal distinction. And then the elders have this office. And then there's the laity. And if you're in a any kind of a uh, sort of a mainline traditional church that has the even even referring to the pastors as clergy, and they stand up front and, and on Sundays and they have their priestly role where they are bringing sacraments and, and fulfilling those old covenant roles of priests kind of thing, then you have an, an even more obvious distinction between, quote, the clergy and laity. None of that's in the Bible. None of that's in the New Covenant anyway. I love how Paul refers to Timothy here, my fellow worker. He's not my underling, my understudy, my protege, although even those are much more um, camaraderie type language than our you know, staff, my, my associate pastor, 
youth pastor, those kind of things. None of those, none of those heresies. Like, this is my fellow worker. This is probably Timothy. We can't be sure of any of these, uh, these people here, but probably this is Timothy that we all know is Timothy. And we know the story from Acts, right? How, how Paul quickly latched onto him, said, this young man's got great potential. Come with me. I'm going to teach you what I know, and I'm going to use you to help build the kingdom. And he got to ride along with Paul. And then he was entrusted with, with great responsibility in building the church. And I just love that how Paul refers to him as my fellow worker. We are working together. I'm not above him. Now, of course he is. And in other contexts, he has to, uh, to lay that out about his apostleship. But that's not how he viewed the world. He's my fellow worker. And we're in this together. It's a team effort all the way through. So that's Timothy. Uh, So Timothy greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosopater, (laughs) my kinsmen. Uh, Some would refer this to or would suggest this Lucius is Luke. Uh, It's possible like Luke the physician, Luke the author of the second uh, of the of the gospel and of uh, the, his second letter Acts, but the 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 name is a little bit different. There's one letter different difference between um, this Lucius and Lucas as he is found everywhere else in the New Testament. Um, so I don't think it's Luke, but could be. It's possible. Uh, and then Jason. And Sasopater, or Sasupater, or however you want to <laughs> accent that. Uh, this Jason, again, we can't be entirely sure because Paul doesn't tell us exactly, but there is another Jason mentioned in the New Testament in the book of Acts. And I just want to read the verses that uh, refer to him, just because if this is him, it's, it again just adds to the idea these are real people. And this is real life as the gospel was launched 2,000 years ago, as the church was launched 2,000 years ago. And it, again, it kind of just gets us away from this formal institutional mindset and realize, oh, these are real people suffering persecution, getting the gospel out, and, and living life together as Christians. Let me just read this after I have a sip of delicious. All right, Acts 17, verse 1 says, And having passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, we know that city, uh, Paul wrote a couple letters to them, where, their, where the synagogue of the Jews was. So there's a synagogue of the Jews here in Thessalonica. And according to the custom of Paul, he went into them, and for three Sabbaths he was reasoning with them from the writings, that would be the Old Testament as we call it, opening and alleging that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. Paul had to argue with these Jews that the scriptures themselves tell us that the Christ, the Messiah, would suffer. And that he would rise again out of the dead. And that this is the Christ, Jesus, whom I proclaim to you. And certain of them believed. So some of these Jews believed Paul's Interpretation of the Old Testament. And they attached themselves to Paul and to Silas, also a great multitude of the worshiping Greeks, also not a few of the principal women. So a large response here to Paul. And the Jews having been moved with envy, so you've got some Jews coming and then other Jews that are now 
jealous of all this. And having taken themselves certain evil men of the agitators and having made a crowd, were setting the city in an uproar, having also assailed the house of Jason. So here's this guy, Jason, that has a house in the city. And he is the victim of this, uh, this attack from this mob. And they were seeking to bring them to the populace, and having not found them, they drew Jason and certain brothers to the city rulers, calling aloud, These, having put the world in commotion, are also present here, whom Jason has received. And all these do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, Another to be king, Jesus. So you see who this Jason was. He was a man who housed some of Paul and his companions uh, there in Thessalonica. And so when they decide to get at Paul, they go after Jason. And they troubled the multitude and the city rulers, hearing these things, having taken security from Jason and the rest, and they let them go. And the brothers immediately through the night sent forth Paul and Silas to Berea and so on. So there we have just, uh, if this is the same guy, then it would make sense that he either was forced to leave Thessalonica because of the persecution, or he chose to uh, and follow on with Paul and ended up in Corinth with him where he wrote this letter. Don't know for sure, but it seems likely that this is the same Jason. And uh, how cool is that? And how real is this? This is real life. Imagine a large crowd of people showing up at your door, banging on it, screaming outside, calling the police, calling the mayor of your town and saying, you, Andy Berliger, you, Rob Daly, you, Mike, you, Caitlin, you are providing a place to stay for these men who have turned our city upside down, who've caused great commotion. You're one of them. You're aiding and abetting in their uh, defiance of our city ordinances and, and peace, disrupting the peace of the city and so on. And, and now you have a mark on you and everybody knows, and you know how mobs go. So the mob rule mob is just taken over and it's hard for you to live in that city anymore. This kind of stuff really happened. Paul was part of it. Timothy was part of it. Jason was part of it. This is real. This is true. Paul's writing this letter and saying, hey, this guy that, uh, that you've heard of, he greets you. He's on my team now and he's helping. And he greets you. And Sesopater, my kinsman, again, we don't, don't think that means actually a, a blood relative, but it might be. Or is he just using... You know, this terminology that says, hey, he's a friend kind of thing. Um, you can look up, uh, the, this probably is the same as, uh, how's it translated in Acts 20? Sopater, maybe the same dude. He's only mentioned there, I think, in one verse, so don't know. All right, so these guys are real, and they're greeting you, and, and you've heard of them, and they, they we're all like family here. We're, we're in this uh, together. And then verse 22, I, Tertius, who write this letter, Greet you in the Lord. So you're probably familiar with this, but uh, it was not uh, the custom for people to write letters in their own hand. There was somebody who had good penmanship 
and he's called an amanuensis, and that was his job, part of his role, uh, to actually uh, write down what the author dictated. And so that's how this would have occurred. This is how all of Paul's letters most likely would have occurred, is Paul speaking out loud, dictating, and uh, Tertius here is writing it down as he speaks. And so Tertius appears... As Paul is giving all these greetings, you can hear Paul reciting to him, right? Uh, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, and so do Lucius and Jason and Sassapater, uh, my kinsman. And Tertius just uh, puts his own little note in there. <laughs> I, I'm the one who's writing this, I greet you in the Lord as well. Which again, just brings the, the reality and the informality of this. This is how letters were written. This is why when you have, is it Galatians? In one of the letters, Paul says, I write this with my own hand. Look how big letters are that I write. Uh, I think that's Galatians. And uh, because people want to say the weakness in his flesh was he had eye trouble and he had to write big letters uh, because of eye trouble. Uh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's any indication of that at all. I think he's like, look, I'm distinguishing my mark from the amanuensis, the guy who I dictated to. I'm writing this so you know this is really from me kind of kind of thing is what I think is going on there. Anyway, so Tertius throws in his, uh, his line. And then uh, Paul says, Gaius, host to me and to the whole church, greets you. So here's this guy, Gaius, and we don't know anything else about him, but he is willing to put me in his home. And in fact, he's willing to host the entire assembly, the entire ecclesia, the, the whole group of Christians uh, there in Corinth, probably, because that's what churches did in the beginning, is they met in homes, <laughs> which is really great. Uh, Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you. So somewhere along the line, again, if this is if this is the city treasurer of Corinth, or some. A uh, little town of Corinth or something, uh, uh, maybe a suburb. Um, how cool is that? That the gospel has borne fruit and, and you've got city officials. These cities that are pagan cities that have all these temples dedicated to idols and the religions and the the cultish uh, temple prostitution and the, the wickedness, right? These are corrupt, wicked cities. And here's a city official, the treasurer, who hears the gospel and believes the gospel. And he's in a position of influence in the city. And it appears as though he is still the city treasurer. So becoming a believer does not mean he has to quit his job, where he allocates money, much of which is raised by paganism. Now he, apparently, he is still serving in his city council role, or, you know, I'm changing it there, but he, he's, he hasn't abandoned, and he's not told to abandon his job working for the city simply because he's a Christian. We are to live life as Christians. We, we have to get away from the sacred-secular divide and, 
where pastoral ministry and missions work, these are the, the really great jobs and everything else is sort of a necessary evil that you do to pay pastors and, and missionaries. And, uh, you know, if I'm going to really make a difference in the world, I have to be a pastor or a missionary. No, 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 no. Paul's like, I got this guy on my team. He's a supporter. He's an encourager. He's opening his home to us. And he sends his greetings and, and he, he matters. He's performing a, a very important function in what I'm doing. And he's got this great job with the, with the city. And Quartus, the brother. Don't know who this is. And again, the brother. It's just, I'm assuming the Romans would know who he is. Because there were other people, no doubt, with Paul here. And, you know, why does he... Uh, why do these people send their greeting? Uh, I don't know. But Cordus the brother, which is cool. These are real people. And Paul's writing a letter. Uh, Andy at the beginning said, uh, thanks for this to uh, give me a perspective I don't often think of. It is worth your time to look at all the writings of the New Testament and to not see them as works of theology. They're not. They're not. They're letters. And it changes our perspective of how we interpret them, how we read them, how we use them. And at least for me, it gives me a greater zeal to impact the world for Christ rather than in, in, in distinction from just sitting around pondering theology, which usually leads to the reading the writings of men as their theology works as they extrapolate all these things instead of uh, the way it's presented as a letter. Uh, Caitlin says, oh, let me back up. Rob says, uh, those lesson on home fellowship were instrumental for me in doing my own home fellowship. Excellent. Glad to hear that. Caitlin says, our church is non-trad, non-501c3. That's good. Now the question is, is the structure and the formality such that even without the connection to the state, is it still creating this clergy lady dis distinction and uh, that kind of thing, which you don't need to answer that. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Uh, Mike says, I think the homes were quite small for most people. Are you talking about the first century or talking about now. Uh, that's true. Uh, so maybe we can improve the model. Uh, anyway, I'll say that. We'll talk about that some other time. But uh, it is, I really do want to encourage you, think through what it means Paul's writing this letter to the Romans and, and these, these people who are uh, on Paul's team and supporting him and, uh, and, and, and that he looked at them as fellow workers and, and he, he doesn't set himself apart from them. And there's no formality here. It's all about getting after building the kingdom, preaching the gospel, building the church, but not church buildings. Um, and uh, we need to keep doing that today. So, all right, uh, we will finish up I don't know. We'll get into the, the doxology tomorrow, which has some rich recap and wonderful things there. And, uh, and uh, we'll finish up Romans here the next day or two. Have a great and blessed day.
Tuesday. See you tomorrow. God bless.